Light of the world made history begin. Spoke time into being, caused planets to spin, flung galaxies wide through infinite space to sing of His splendor and fathomless grace. The light of the world now shone as a man and walked through the valleys he carved with his hands. A servant to those he breathed into life. He felt all injustice and shared in our strife. Come, come, daughters and sons, look to the light of the world. Sing, sing praises to Him. Simply believe you will receive mercy and love without measure.
Good morning. Welcome to service. It's a lovely day. Uh, it's good to have you joining with us. Whether you can have a seat, <laughs> uh, whether you're here in person or joining us online, uh, it's so good to to worship together. There's not any notices today, for once, apart from uh, there'll be tea and coffee at the end of the service, so please do stay behind and uh, enjoy some fellowship. Thank you. Good morning. It's lovely to see you all here. What a lovely morning it is, eh? It's, it's almost spring if you... The meteorological spring started on the 1st of March, but astronomical spring starts, is that right, astronomical? Yes, starts today, and the weather has finally got it right. Why not turn around to the people around about you, say good morning, and tell them what you had for breakfast. Jings, you must have had a feast for your breakfast. <laughs> We've come this morning to worship God and let's join together. Our call to worship is up on the screen and I invite you to say the words in gold. Creator God, you have called us to worship you. You do not leave us adrift, but embrace us with paternal love. You have given us truth that inspires and empowers us. <clears throat> you have proved love that encourages, sorry, you have provided love that encourages and comforts us. You offer forgiveness, redeeming and blessing us. Robbie's waving at me. Cut. <laughs> Let's stand together and sing our first hymn. And it's Christ Be My Waking. Christ be in my waking As the sun is rising In my day of working with me every hour Christ be in my resting as the day is ending 
calming and refreshing, watching through the night. Christ be in my thinking and my understanding, guarding me from evil, walking in the light. Christ be in my speaking, every word a blessing, pure and not deceiving, grace to all who hear. Christ be in my gladness for the joy of heaven, thankful for the goodness of the Father's hand. Christ be in my sorrow, in my day of darkness, knowing that I follow in the steps He draws. When hope has faded, nothing left to cling to Every pleasure jaded, every well is dry Christ the loving shepherd draws me with his kindness Leads me from the desert to the streams of life That was a new one for us this morning. I didn't know that one either. How many of you knew it? Well, you did really well. <laughs> it's funny how you in know, different places you, you use, have different songs in your repertoire. It's lovely. Um, and I think we're enjoying learning some of the new songs that you're bringing to us. 
In my day as a probationer, if I had sent a, a song um, to the organist in those days, I'd have been told, we don't sing that. <laughs> but it's great that we get the opportunity to sing different things and to experience different songs in worship. Let's come before God in prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning from different places, each with different things that we are thinking about, worrying about, or experiencing. And even before we come here, Lord, you know that. You know where we've come from. You know who we are. And you call us here to meet with you. And we come because something in our heart has stirred and drawn us here. Here, into your presence. Here, drawn close by your arms into an embrace of parent to child. Here, that we might rest a while with you. Be restored. Be filled. Be transformed. And remember again that we are forgiven and loved. Lord, such is the love that you have for each of us. That you came and took on flesh and lived among us. Lived our life. Had friends worked, all of the things that we do, you did. And then, Lord, you died for us so that we might know the love that you have for each one of us as you offer us life beyond measure, life in all of its fullness. As we come this morning, Lord, may we remember what it is to be loved. May we remember what it is to be forgiven. May we remember what it is to be your child, to enjoy your presence, to remember that the promises that were made long ago are ours too. To remember that you offer us an inheritance as your child of life with you. Father, as we come and as we hear these things, often we feel the weight of not feeling good enough. Or fear that maybe that's not quite so. And Lord, it's these things that hold us in chains 
in this life of ours. And so take away those fears that you can't possibly love us that much because we are not worthy of love. Take away the fear that you're maybe not all that you say that you are. Take away the fear that we don't deserve the good things that you promise us because other people have told us so. Lord, restore us and heal us. Break those chains that surround us that we might experience the life that you offer. Life in all of its fullness. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So has anybody got any news this morning? I'm just going to find my mask. I don't know what I've done with it. Imagine that hand just shooting up. I've lost my mask. Can anybody see my mask? I've got too many pockets this morning. That's what it is. I wonder what you're going to tell us this morning, Ruth. Um, yesterday I was on a rail train working and I was closing the door and I jammed my thumb in the door. Oh, that wasn't what I was expecting. That looks sore. Is that... Oh, that's nail polish, right, okay. <laughs> was it sore though, was it? That wasn't the news I was expecting to hear this morning. I saw a photograph of you last week doing something. And also last week I got my dress for the gala day. <gasps> Queen's dress. And everything else, the tiara, the shoes and the gloves. Wow, tiara, shoes, gloves, dress, every girl's dream, eh? What's, are you going to tell us what it's like or is it a surprise? It's the blingiest dress they had. It's the blingiest dress they have. <laughs> you might need to explain what the blingiest dress is like. And um, It's got a lot of um, sparkle up here and then it's got a lovely trim around the bottom. Good. Well, see you after Galadie. Will you wear it here one day for us and stand up and give us a twirl and we can see it? Yeah? I have to ask Mum. Ah. Oh. <laughs> but I think, I think everybody would love to see you in your dress, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And I'm sure you are so excited and can't wait to wear it on the day. How many times have you tried it on since you got it? None, because it's currently staying at my grand's. None? It's at grand's? Is that to stop you wearing it every day? <laughs> <laughs> Mum says yes. And also, because, and also because we don't have enough space in our wardrobes. Ah, good. Well, I, I look forward to seeing pictures of you in it. Anybody else got news? Oh, Mum's got news too. Um, so, as most of you will know, the regulations around COVID change tomorrow. And that means that we can have a think about what and how we do things in church um, so we're really keen to hear from people about what would make them feel comfortable coming to church particularly those that are still worshipping with us online and haven't felt able to, to come back into the building um, but anyone that's here as well if you've got ideas of what would, what would be your key priorities, what would be the things that would concern you if we changed them So things kind of return to a bit more normal tomorrow, we're still wearing masks though aren't we? Yep. So we're still wearing masks uh, but next week, as you come to worship, we no longer are required to take the track and trace details at the door. Uh, so that will go, and social distancing has already gone. What else will be different? 
It's really up to us, as, well, the Kirk session anyway, to decide what measures we're keeping in place, what measures we're, we're changing. Um, but what we want to do is make sure that it's safe and welcoming for everyone. So if you have any thoughts on what we could do or what you don't want to see go, then have a chat with Shona afterwards. Anybody else got news? Ruth's got news. I was just to let you know the band got fifth place at the Scottish Championships last Sunday, so that means we stay in the Scottish Championship League for another year, so we were very pleased with that outcome, given the two years that we've been away from Scottish Championships. It was really good for the band. Good, that's brilliant. A round of applause. Anybody else got news? Morag's got news? Oh, here, right, okay, I'll come to you in a minute, Morag. Margaret's had some news since she was here last. Her daughter's crowning the Queen. Oh, oh lovely! She's a, a, a math teacher in Armadale, but she, was, she couldn't refuse it. Good. Is she looking forward to it? Sorry? Is she looking forward to it? Yeah. Uh -huh. Good. Yeah. That'll be nice. So do, do, you get a, do you get a new dress too then? No, do, but do you get one? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> I think you should. Yeah. Right, Morag, where was I going? My 10-year-old granddaughter in Bankery, who's been trampolining for about three years, has been promoted to the older group. Uh, she's won a medal in our competition and she's been promoted to a group of girls uh, aged between 15 and 20. And there's only one other 10-year-old in that group. And two of that group are Olympians for the British team. Great. So she's really doing well then, isn't she? Good, fantastic. Tell her congratulations from us. Anybody else got news? What? No birthdays and anniversaries this week. I noticed that all those who have been celebrating are not here. <laughs> Too much celebrating. Right. We had a lovely visit yesterday from our grandson. He's home on leave from the army. So that was lovely. Get a hug. Aww. I bet you loved that. <laughs> How's he doing? He's doing fine, growing, he's filling out, and oh yes, such a change, such a change. So he passes out in May, and then he comes up to Penny Cook, so that'll be nearer. You'll see more of him. Good. I'm glad to hear he's doing well, that's good. Anybody else got news? Well, you did well this morning. Well, this... Better the church did well. You need to think of some news. Definitely. I think I'm going to hand over to Charlene now. Here we go. Before I start, I'm going to give you my news. Um, oops. That, oh. That's it. it. My daughter had her baby. A little boy, well, quite a big boy actually, he was £9.6, but they are both doing very well and I'm very excited about being a grandmother now to a boy and a girl. <laughs> so when I run off today, you know it's because that's where I'm going. <laughs> so, this morning. Last week, Amanda spoke to you about the I Am statements of Jesus. And all of the statements are packed full of real significance and they reveal who Jesus is as the promised Messiah. 
and also why he has come, what he wants to accomplish for the salvation of his people. Um, and not only do the I am statements reveal to us who Jesus is, um, but also what he wants to do. The I am statement of Jesus that we would like to look at this morning, later on, is obviously found in John chapter 10, which um, we will hear later. And the chapter is just chocked full of significance as Jesus speaks about life, he speaks about death, salvation accomplished, his sovereignty, and his divine nature. And it's all within the context of his statement to the crowd about being the gate and being the good shepherd. And he's a good shepherd to those who he has come to save, and they are his sheep. We also heard a little last week about John chapter 9, which is quite important, and it's about the healing of the blind man. And although there's false magicians and there's counterfeit miracle workers who no doubt were pulling off clever and fake forgeries trying to be that one special person, no one had healed a blind man from birth. Isaiah had, pro had prophesied that the Messiah would do so, and Jesus answered that promise. But not everyone was pleased about that, however. The possibilities of a Messiah whom they could not control infuriated the re religious leadership, and they were worried that their power and prestige would be diminished. And the escalating conflict that was prompted by that led to Jesus telling and teaching about what he called pastoral ministry. The Latin word for shepherd, as you probably know, is pastor, coming from the Latin passere, to feed. So a pastor literally feeds his flock. But Jesus spoke more about than feeding. He refers to the whole caring of God's people, shepherding, bringing the flock together, even although that came at a great price. Because Jesus comes at this topic from a couple of different angles, we're going to look at what he does by uniting the image and illustration of sheep. Philip Keller, who is a, a wonderful writer, he was the son of a missionary in Kenya, and he drew in his many years of being a shepherd, and he wrote the book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, which is wonderful if anyone has a chance to look at it. In one place, he describes cast sheep. It's an old English term, and it's for when a sheep has turned on its back, and it cannot get itself back up again. Even the largest, the fattest, the strongest, and sometimes the healthiest of sheep can become cast and become a casualty. A cast sheep is a very pathetic thing. It's lying on its back, its feet are in the air, it's flaying away frantically, struggling to stand up without any success. Sometimes it might bleat, but generally it lies there lashing about, frightened and frustrated. And if the owner does not arrive in the scene within a reasonably short time, unfortunately, the sheep will die. But this is another reason why it's so essential and careful for the shepherd to count his flock every day. If one or two are missing, often his first thought is, perhaps one of the sheep are cast somewhere, and I must go and search for them and set it on its feet. 
Keller reminds us that though the image of God's people as sheep is common in the Bible, it's not completely complementary. From all accounts, sheep are helpless animals of very limited intelligence. They are timid and they can be startled by the slightest sound, but at other times they can be so stubborn that nothing moves them. Calling us sheep might seem not a great compliment. However, in spite of the negative connotations, God identifies us sheep and himself as a shepherd. Extending this analogy, Jesus stirs our imagination. How about we think how we think about ourselves, how we think of God, of Christ, of pastors, and even of our churches. So let's open our minds and think about those things as we hear Morag read from John chapter ten. <clears throat> Readings from John chapter 10, starting at verse 1. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognise his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my Father knows me and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. 
The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Amen and may God bless this reading of his word. we hear that the way to life with God is through the door and that Jesus Christ is the door. But there's two groups of people who've got to get through that door. First there is the shepherd and then there are the sheep. There's an old um, children's song my girls loved and I'm sure that you all know it and it's, you know, it's so high you can't get over it and it's so low you can't get under it so wide and that's a bit like our passage today that Jesus tells us that there is only one door that I am the door of the sheep he says and I came that they may have life and they may have it abundantly it doesn't always sit well on our ears it may even sound a little bit restrictive to our sensibilities but Jesus is unapologetically exclusive here There are not multiple entries to life with God. There is only one, and it is Christ. He is the door, and he is the only door to the Father. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, The gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And in John 14, later we will hear him say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The way to life with God is through the door, and Jesus Christ is the door. As we read this in the passage of John chapter 10, we see that there are two groups of people. Firstly, there is a shepherd, and then there are the sheep. So let's look at each of them in turn. First of all, the shepherd has to get through the door, and shepherds are admitted to the fold only through Christ's authority. In John 10, the first two verses, Jesus says, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief or a robber. But he who enters the door by the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is talking about the religious leaders of the day. He is speaking about the Pharisees. He is telling these would-be shepherds who were gathering their crowds of people, that they have disqualified themselves from being leaders of God's people. This is also heard in Ezekiel, where we hear, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. They have become thieves and robbers. But why? They don't wish to be part of Christ's door. They don't wish to be part of God's world. They are self-servant. They have a show that people present, that they present to people and people follow. But they don't become in through the door, which means because of that, they cannot be part of God's people. 
But God's people do need shepherds. They need pastors and they need led to the door. In Romans 10, Paul underlines this need and he says that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he asks, how will they call on him if they don't believe? And how are they to believe in him if they have never heard of him? And how can they come to him if there is no one preaching? So we clearly need pastors, but we clearly need pastors who are called by the authority of God. Shepherds are admitted to the fold only by Christ's authority. The shepherds themselves have to come through the door first. There is no other option. So let's look back. We need pastors and we need pastors who are called. We also need pastors who will do what they are called to do and that is to preach Christ. When a pastor does that, he enters the sheepfold by the door and to him the gatekeeper opens. Such a pastor does his work by Christ's authority because that is what Christ called him to do. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, I charge you with the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by appearing in his kingdom, you must preach the word. Paul gave him the authority to preach, to act on his behalf, and to tell the world about Christ. The pastor who does this, the pastor who preaches Christ, enters the sheepfold by the door. And Jesus said, the sheep hear his voice. While shepherds would take great risk for their sheep, it is only the good shepherd who gave his life for his sheep. While the crowd that day may not have fully understood the weight and the implications of what Jesus is saying, but because we have the record of God's full plan of his redemption, we know that Jesus was speaking about the fact that he was going to give himself to death on behalf of his sheep in order to cleanse them all of his sin. The phrase lay down his life is unique to John's gospel and it always refers to Jesus' voluntarily, voluntarily sacrificial death. Jesus willingly gave up himself for us. He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Furthermore, Jesus' death was not about his own sin, but about the sins of his sheep. When we consider that the death of, that the death of Jesus, we understand that not only did he die a voluntary death, but he died a substitutionary death. He died rather than us. On the cross, Jesus endured the wrath of God for the sheep and in their place, so that the sheep are no longer seen in their filth, but they are seen as clean and righteous, because the good shepherd died for them and in their place. The picture we think about is white, fluffy, cuddly sheep. <laughs> um, it's formed really from pictures and from stuffed animals, etc. But sheep in themselves um, are really dirty animals. They're much like pigs in the sense that they root around and um, are, tend to be most of their time in a field and in mud. And because they cannot clean themselves, their wool smells to high heavens. At least with pigs, they are washed off when the rain comes. 
However, due to the nature of the wool of a sheep, rain does not wash them clean. The good shepherd accomplishes this for the sheep, something that they could never accomplish for themselves. His spilled blood was for the purpose of cleansing, and by cleansing all who by grace alone, through faith alone, trust in Jesus, and his finished work on the cross are clean before God. Shepherding is a hard job, and sheep were led across the plains from one location to another. Shepherds would have to lead them, and others would have to travel to the side and behind in order to make sure that none wandered off the track. Sheep are directionally challenged and frequently get lost. And that explains quite a bit about my driving. Perhaps in our sin and self, we can be inclined to wander, to look around life, and perhaps the last path that we would really choose is the righteousness and the holiness of God. Perhaps we can be tempted to choose the path of pride, of self, of complacency or apathy. In Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. However, our good shepherd leads us back to the path of righteousness. He calls us to be his sheep, to lead, guide and direct us all for the good and for his glory. Earlier we considered how shepherds would surround their flocks on all sides and guide them through the terrain. But the sheep recognise the voice of their shepherd. And when the shepherds would call out to them, they would respond and follow that sound. In the same way, Jesus' sheep know his voice and follow him as he lovingly leads, guides and directs them along the narrow way of righteousness. Jesus speaks to us through his word and his Holy Spirit gives us ears to hear and our hearts to obey. This brings me to the sheep. Nearly every animal in the animal kingdom has some sort of defense mechanism. Some have talons or fangs, some run fast, some can fly, some have horns or can kick. Sheep have none of these. They are defenseless and they rely upon a shepherd to fend off and protect them from predators or anyone who seeks to harm them. Our good shepherd cleanses and saves us through the death on the cross. And the good news that the gospel is not only sorry, the good news of the gospel is that not only does our good shepherd save us, but he continues to protect us. Using the shepherding illustration, Jesus points out the fact that he the good shepherd fully protects his sheep. He does not leave us alone on an island by ourselves, but continually protects us. The enemy, enemy has no power over us, no attack from others, because he is there. The sheep are admitted to the fold only by Christ's atonement. Let's listen again to the words. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Notice what Jesus says here. He says, the entrance is by me. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. 
We shall not enter the sheepfold by any other means other than Christ. The door of the innocent is shut to us. We cannot present our record of our conventional morality to the watchman at the door and say, look how good I've been, let me in. We are all disqualified from entrance by our own merit, no matter how wonderful that may be. The door of pedigree is shut to us, so we cannot claim entrance by declaring that our parents before us went, or our grandparents, they were admitted. So why not us? The door of religion is shut to us. We will not be granted admission solely on the basis of church membership. The Westminster Confession says there is no other way of salvation than it can be revealed in the gospel. And it says again that this gospel promises eternal life to all who truly repent and believe in Christ. In short, there is only one door. We cannot seek to climb into Christ's fold by any other way. It's not necessary because there is a door. But do not remain outside longing to come in or fearful that you won't be welcomed because the door is open to faith. Come to me, Jesus said, all who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Do not ne neglect this tender offer that Jesus makes to your heart. I am the door, he says. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. The implication of the good shepherd protecting his sheep is the perseverance, perseverance and safety. The enemy attacks Jesus' sheep in an effort to steal them away, to take them to another flock. But the good news of the gospel is that the good, news, the good shepherd cleanses, protects and preserves us. Having heard all that you've heard today, it's important to understand that there is only one way to enter the flock of the sheep which belongs to Jesus. Jesus accomplished salvation for his sheep when he laid down his life and he put them, put them in their place. He is the door for his sheep. Only those who enter the door that Jesus has opened are given the right to be part of his flock. We recognise his voice and we hear him and we hear his words of instructions. At night various flocks may gather together in a pen, just as there are various flocks across this world. Those who come together in the flocks overnight. In the morning the shepherd will come to open, that, open the gate and to seek that the sheep will, the sheep will enter rich pastures for food. But only those who follow Jesus will follow his voice. They know that he is their shepherd and they will not follow the fake teachings by others. The shepherd goes before us to make sure the way is safe and he does not stand behind us or beat us or force us to go ahead. Instead, he leads us and makes sure the way is safe for us. And because we know him, we follow him. God has put that desire in our hearts. Jesus said that he is the good shepherd and he lays down his life for his sheep. He is not a hireling paid to watch over us, but he is our owner and we were purchased by his blood. We belong to him 
and so we need not fear anything, for our shepherd will lead us through all things. He will not leave or forsake us. He wants us to follow him into the pastures of abundant life. He wants us to be used by him to gather more sheep, to bring sheep into the fold. You see, being a sheep is not only about following. It's also about having a relationship with Jesus. He wants us to have an intimate relationship, one that he compares to his relationship with his father. Our very presence here today is an indication that we have heard or we are hearing his voice. But developing that intimate relationship can often remain a challenge. Learning to listen to God and following Jesus is not always as simple as we'd like it to be. Certainly, I feel that at times. Perhaps we can identify with those who may say, I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm not getting that inner direction from God. Or where do the ideas come from? How do I know that they're from God? Perhaps they're just my conscience or my subconscious. Maybe these voices are voices from the past being projected to the current. Are there no solid principles to discern God's guidance? Before answering that question, I believe that it would be helpful to address another. Why isn't God's guidance more clear? If he really desires to speak to us, why isn't it always obvious or direct or immediately clear? And here's what we have to remember. God doesn't want robots, but he wants a relationship. God doesn't want to program us. He wants to parent us, to shepherd us, that we can have our own free will to follow and go with him. He wants to deepen not just our intelligence, but our intimacy. Moving from information to formation, from knowing to growing, from head to heart, and from accepting to understanding. Qualities that come from the process of discovering and discerning God's word. Passive learning demands little of our involvement and is usually forgotten quickly. But when we actively get involved, when we actively ponder, when we seek and search, then we get the answer. And when the light goes on, the result isn't easy to forget. When we are motivated to learn and to share Jesus, within our hearts, <coughs> sorry, when we are motivated to learn and to share Jesus, in Jeremiah we hear, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Only when we seek Jesus with our heart and our head can we meet towards the gate. So it is that God is parenting us, helping us to develop as spiritual adults, to become familiar to his voice and to the counsel of his heart. We are far from being left out. We are learning. We are far from doubting his voice because we are hearing it and we are able to discern. Jesus tells us that the shepherd enters the sheepfold only by his authority. If a pastor does not stand in God's counsel, as Ezekiel puts it, he does not enter the sheepfold by the door. 
Our Lord also tells us that the sheep enter the door only by his atonement, that we cannot rely on our own merit. We must respond to the gospel's offer of faith and faith alone. In other words, shepherd or sheep, pastor or people, we all have to come in through the door. Let's pray. Loving Shepherd, guide us and lead us. Protect us from those who would wish to harm us. Teach us to be like you. Enable us to mirror your love and your grace and enable our relationships with you to grow in understanding and intimacy as we discern you in our lives. Amen. We now sing together the Lord's My Shepherd. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me lie in pastures green. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul. And I will trust in you. And I will trust in you. For your endless mercy follows me. Your goodness will my ways in righteousness and he anoints my head with all and my cup it overflows with joy I feast on his
Come before God in prayer. Let's pray. Our thoughts this morning are with the people of Ukraine, who are innocent people are being killed. And Lord, we pray for a peaceful end to the conflict there. We pray that ongoing negotiations between the, new, the two nations can lead to positive peace talks, and that during any talks, a ceasefire can take place and be maintained. We pray for the people of Ukraine, for many have lost homes, now just rubble, lost neighbours, lost friends, and lost family, a son, a daughter, a mother, a father, even the loss of a baby in the terrible bombing of the hospital. We pray too for those who have fled Ukraine, leaving many belongings behind, and for those who are showing your love to others by providing, a, by providing shelter, food and money. We say thanks for those who are providing rooms in their own homes, especially in our own country, but ask that you help the government to speed up the process to make this happen quickly. Protect and care for those who have stayed behind in Ukraine and for those who search the rubble for survivors. Reach out to them all, supporting, guiding and comforting each and every one. And we ask that you be with all other world leaders, guiding them in the way forward as they attempt to bring a peaceful solution to the conflict. We pray too for ordinary Russian citizens going about their daily life one day and drawn into unnecessary conflict the next. Unlike ourselves, they are unable to voice their opinions and speak out against the conflict and are suffering due to the sanctions being placed on them, family members being sent out to fight against their will and losing loved ones. So be with them too in their time of need. We pray that you can draw near to President Putin healing his sick and dangerous mind, at the same time teaching him how to live peacefully with the rest of the world. But this morning we can also give cheerful thanks. Thanks for the release of Nanazine Ratcliffe, reunited once more 
with her family after so long apart. Be with them and support them as they plan life together again. As COVID infections are again on the increase, we see once more the pressures on all those who work in the NHS, especially in hospitals, where patient numbers are also on the increase. We give thanks for the work they do and ask that you support and encourage them in this work and giving them the strength to carry on. We pray for New Church of Scotland presbyteries as many amalgamate. Give ministers and elders of the new presbyteries guidance and how to take the church forward in this difficult time. And we pray for Amanda. Guide and encourage her as she continues her ministry here. At the same time, in her ministry as convener of the presbytery planning team of the new presbytery of Forth Valley and Clydesdale, as they begin meeting with churches to also discuss the way forward and how to build on their own ministry in the towns and communities they serve. Lead and guide them as they do so. I ask you to hear these our prayers in Jesus' name, who taught us how to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever. Amen. We now come to our final hymn for today, and it is Thy Hand, O God, Has Guided.
as we leave this place, may we be prompted to live full, full lives, full of worship every hour of every day. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen.
Good see his heart.